just gave us the hand signal listeners you're listening to another exciting episode of chewing the scenery horror movie podcast this is a podcast where we friends talk about a horror movie which we will spoil but first we talk about recently watched which we try not to spoil thank you to the moon rays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show you can find the music on amazon or apple music where you could buy it digitally or say hello to them on facebook where they are the moon dash rays and it's worth mentioning we're not professional critics we're just your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolien. Iti Dagmas. And Ziggy. Hello. And Will. Good morning. And I think I said my name, didn't I? Richard. Yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway. So, um, since last time, uh, we've probably all watched a thing or two. Uh, anyone want to start? Ziggy, you want to? You <laughs> sure, you, I can. You want to wait? No, no. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> if only uh, this was on video and you could see all the faces. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, it's just pretty boring. Um, it's a visual week, game of hot potato. <laughs> this week, um, I've been watching, oh my gosh, so my parents and I, we started watching Peaky Blinders, and we're on, like, season four already. Um, I'm obsessed. I don't usually develop, like, major crushes on celebrities or fictional characters anymore. Yeah, you do. I think of myself as an adult woman. However, mm -hmm. Tommy Shelby is something different, and I showed I showed the show to my friend, and I swear to God, within like two days of watching it, she like bought us like she bought a coaster. She's in London right now, and she said that they had like merch in a store or something. So she bought like a coaster. <laughs> she almost bought a hat. Like it's ridiculous. The official Peaky uh, woman blinders. almost bought hat. <laughs> Hard hitting news we have on this podcast. <laughs> That's a headline from The Onion. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're really into the show. And uh, honestly, it's taken up all of my viewing time. I'm still watching Breaking Bad with my father, but it takes a while because we only watch it on nights where my mother works. Oh, yeah. Um, I've got the soundtrack for Peaky Blinders because I really love Anna Calvi. The, the soundtrack for the show is so good. The music in the show is so good. I really like it. I think that the writing, like, episode to episode is pretty good, but the long, like, plot writing is kind of iffy. Um, and I, I think it's because... Netflix might give them like six episode seasons and be like, that's all you can have. Uh. And so they have to like rush through a bunch of plot lines. But for the most part, I love it. The parallels though between Peaky Blinders and Sons of Anarchy are too many. There's too many. Um, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun to watch and we're cruising through it. Nice. Yeah. So what, what do you, in, in rewatching Breaking Bad, um, what are you getting differently now that you're... It's not rewatching. We started it like Oh, you've never watched ago. it? Yeah, it's my first time watching it. We're in season like four oh. or three. Okay. We started it a while ago and 
I think it's like his third time seeing it, but we started a while ago and it just kind of, we started watching other things. Um, I think because it's like very, I don't know, it took too much brain power for me to follow. And then I went to school and I came back and we've started it up again. Um, <laughs> came back with a brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did your dad like point out uh, all the characters that it, all, all the actors he met when we were down in uh, yeah. Albuquerque? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Jim and I went down to Breaking Bad Fest, and I was uh, well. We were we had a vendor table, and we met Crazy Eight and uh, and uh, Skinny Pete mm-hmm. and uh, the other guy who gets his throat cut, um, Jeremiah Bitsui. I can't remember his character's name. Anyway. Spoiler, if you didn't get to that episode yet. <laughs> I honestly have no idea because it's been so long since I started it. Like, the first couple seasons, I don't remember fully, but I refused to go back and, like, start over. So, it's been, like, context clues that have been coasting me through yeah. the episodes we're watching now. Yeah. <laughs> so, overall, though, it's it's uh, it's treating you well, though. Yeah, I like it. Whoa. It's, it's, yeah, you can hear yourself now. Sorry about I that. I can hear myself That's before, better. but not. Is it better? I don't know. Yeah. I can talk, like, right up on the mic. Um, I don't know. Something about it scares me. I'm like, I'll talk all the way back here. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> people people want to hear you. Um, no, Breaking Bad's good. I'm trying to keep you talking so I don't have to say stuff. Yeah. No, it, it's really amazing. Like, the, the writing, the directing, the acting is, like, the whole package really just works. Julian, you haven't watched it yet, have you? No. Or uh, I, I met Brian Cranston's body double <laughs> <laughs> that's as close as i've got to it yeah you were you were working on the godzilla movie yeah i saw his double being driven into the factory yeah, yeah. we we don't need the real guy <laughs> so this is this is a long shot here so you know use fake brian cranston no i think it's great my chief complaint is that i don't think that like the main two like i like the like the couple i don't think they have like any chemistry at all and also, it's one of those shows where you, like, slightly dislike all of chemistry. the characters. <laughs> 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 I like that. Can we sample that? <laughs> yes. That's going to be our new intro. <laughs> no, for, for every time I say a dad joke. A nice little pun. It's just me like... <laughs> you know my, my favorite dad joke? Hmm. Have you heard about those diesels? <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? It's very bad. Um, I don't even remember what I was saying. It was so bad. Uh, I don't so buy their the, chemistry. The couple uh, had no chemistry. Yes. And I slightly dislike all the characters a little bit or a lot of it, which I think is intentional. It's like part of the writing and like yeah. how they do things. But it makes me not want to watch it until we're actually watching it. Like, I'll tell them to like put it on and then I'll come down. Once it's playing, so that I don't have to like do it, you know, because I'm like, uh, or we could watch something else. But once it's on, I like it. Have any of your uh, college courses defined antihero for you? Has anyone said um, these are the rules for how to write or how to describe n- or no, identify an antihero? Not particularly. I mean, the term's thrown around a lot, but we don't really focus on like tropes anymore, like no? overarching ones. No. Although I do have to be an intro to creative writing next semester, so we'll see. Hey, tropes are tropes for a reason. I know. And us from Generation Z, Z, uh, and antiheroes were all we knew. Uh, No, we're 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 Gen Gen X. We're Gen X. Yeah, that's right. I'm Gen Z. Yeah, I'm a Um, Zoomer. That's the term. Zoomer. Zoomer. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So on, you know, our 
movie heroes were always scummy. Yeah. 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 Stereotypes, um, archetypes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It looks like when I watch much older movies where it's like a clean cut hero, it's, it's kind of fresh to me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but overall, um, your recent viewing has, has been. Um, it's been TV shows. Just TVs. And so okay. I'm in two of them, yep. Yeah. No new movies? Nope. Right. Speaking of nope, are you looking forward to nope? I am. I want to see that. Um, you know, it's really funny. Okay. Um, have you has anybody seen the trailer for Marcel the Shell with shoes on? No. Not what? a horror movie. It is, what is What is it? It is an A24 movie, which I think is hilarious. Oh. It's an A24 movie, and it's a stop-motion shell with googly eyes and shoes, and it's about him trying to find his family, and apparently has, like, audiences, like, sobbing their eyes out. Like, it's the hmm. next, like... I don't know. It's like just like supposed to be really touching, but I think it's really funny because I think somebody was talking about how everything everywhere all at once was like A24's best movie so far. And don't they have like a rock with googly eyes on it in that movie? I could be wrong. I don't know. But now there's Marcel the Shell with shoes on with eyes. Anyways, I'm really excited about this movie from A24 because I mostly watch their horror movies Mm -hmm. and they're all really like mess with your mind intellectual or like psychological and then they were like ah we'll give you a family movie about a shell that's in stop motion he's got like sneakers on it's so cute excellent hmm stop motion we're going to be talking about that later mm. in the year yes <laughs> has anyone else watched mad god not no, yet not, not yet, yet. i i want to watch it while not tired oh no watch it when you're kind of out of your head a bit okay Perfect. yeah that sounds better <laughs> I'm going to watch it at like three in the morning. Yeah. If you're having a, um, a, a, a bout of uh, insomnia. A really hot night. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Was that it for recent? Yeah, just the okay. two shows. Uh, who wants to go next? Shall I go? Yeah, go ahead, Joel. Uh, well, um, you mentioned this movie called The Night House. Mm-hmm. So I checked that out. Yeah, what do you think? 2020. Um, thought, um, let's see. Um, once we got to the bit where she's in the bookshop and she finds that book on the occult yeah. on occult labyrinths it kind of took me out of it a bit um, because from there I knew where we were going mm-hmm. and also in the book they show they spell introduction wrong <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that I think what? I genuinely was like looking down while most of that movie was going um, uh, when we got through watching it, Emily said, uh, I wish modern horror movies had characters that you care about, internal logic and suspense. She didn't feel any of that from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that it had potential, but fell flat, yeah. flat on its face. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I liked her aggression. Mm-hmm. She wasn't like passive and all moping around because of the tr- tragedy that happens to her. Um, but I, fa- I found it kind of flat dramatically. So I wasn't that keen on it. I liked that they played with like the the house when it would move and it looked like a face. Like that they did it like yes. twice and I was like, that's cool. Yes. And in the end you can see like a person with like how they did the water. Super cool. Um And I like when the women start running by her at night. Yeah. That's, that was freaky. Yeah. Um again there was something about them like trying to play with the House of Leaves idea in that book. Um, but I guess they couldn't do that directly because also that's a really hard book to put yeah. <laughs> on screen. I don't think you could do that really. Mm. Um, 
yeah, I really liked the idea. I left the trailer when it came out, and then I watched it, and I was like, eh, never mind. Okay. Have you, have you checked I haven't it? seen it's on it. HBO. Okay. Uh, watched a, here's a classic for you, Hollywood Meet Cleaver Massacre. Oh. Um, Let me guess. This was on the Video Nasties list. Had the word massacre uh, in it. Probably. <laughs> um, I can't remember if this one was. I know Christopher Lee doesn't like to talk about it. He was duped into doing this uh, intro and outro for it, mm-hmm. uh, which is on the theatrical cut, where he's talking about uh, talking about it as if it's going to be like this uh, serious study of psychic projection and so on. Mm-hmm. And then Hollywood Me Cleaver Massacre starts up, and you think, no, <laughs> um, no. and you no. can't and you can't mistake his voice. It's not like oh, I'm not sure who that was doing oh, yeah, the showing intro. Showing him on screen, he's just sitting oh. at his desk with all his books and and whatnot. F- occult paraphernalia fine leather bound books and a yes, snifter yes, of brandy and yes, <laughs> sitting there with his smoking jacket and his <laughs> necronomicon um, that's really good but uh, um, yeah it takes place in Hollywood there's no meat cleaver not really yeah there's, there's, a, there's a massacre I guess this is from 1976 um, there's, there's lots of Manson hanging over it um, there's a a there's a guy who doesn't like his college uh, professor who's teaching about the occult. So he gathers his gang. They go to the professor's family. They kill his dog. They kill his family. Uh, the professor's left semi-comatose in a hospital and uh, summons a demon uh, called Morag to take revenge. Um, <coughs> Morag is just like an ordinary, uh, you know, Celtic name. Mm, yeah. um, it's uh, it's really boring, disjointed. There's lots of fat on it. Uh, I don't know who this guy was. Uh, why are we watching him make a sandwich, etc., etc.? Uh, cuts and flashes of future scenes, which you get in Nicholas Rogue films and the film we kind of talk about. Um, occasional odd voices and on the soundtrack um, is the kind of thing you notice when you're really bored with the rest of the film. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, lots of uh, library music on the soundtrack uh, pointless 10 minute scene at a massage parlor in quotes <laughs> just to get some uh, exploitation elements on there um, 67 minutes in we suddenly get a voiceover from a detective that's always good screenwriting <laughs> I mean, there hasn't been a voiceover up to that point and then all of a sudden who uh, he, he, he recaps all the kills um, there's a um, Don, a guy plays Morag. He's named Don Ling, and he's uh, he's also responsible for the disgusting makeup. It says in the credits. Oh, um, and he's also plays the Nut House Doctor. Wow, no, nothing judgmental about yeah, the way they again, describe I'm things. Quoting the credits, so yeah, not a high recommend. Not a high recommend, but a recommend. <laughs> Now, I was wondering, because you, you mentioned there was a lot of Manson hanging over it, and obviously Charles Manson, not, you know, Marilyn Manson. Um, if if somebody's too young to know who Manson, as in Charles Manson, was... Um, it, there are books and internet and stuff like that. You, you but, can research things, you know. But it, but if you have to tell somebody about it, are you Manson-splaining it? Thank you. That's That's what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> we needed a second sample of that. Mm-hmm. The first one's better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The second one was pretty good. 
<laughs> Can we start a like a new podcast called Manson Splaining? Terrible. <laughs> no. Nah. No, it's a clever name. <laughs> it's yeah, vaguely clever. Anyway. Anyway, that's it for now. Oh, Will, anything? Uh, who who the hell knows? <laughs> Did you watch any new episodes of Andy Griffith? Uh, no, but I watched several episodes of the A-Team. And, uh... Were you deliberately watching these? Or you... Yeah. It wasn't like your, your thumb was disabled and you couldn't change the channel? No. It's, uh... It's an endurance. It's a real challenge to try to make it through 44 minutes of A-Team. Do you know what I mean? No. It's a... It's a terrible show from the eighties. They were uh, imagine a soldiers of fortune, <laughs> but one of who, them's Mr. T. <laughs> yeah, there's four okay. of them, and they're they're on the run <clears throat> from the law, well, from the military, because they were, you know, convicted of a crime they didn't commit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the same premise for Grizzly Adams. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um. You know, they fight for good. Being wrongly accused of something was a big deal in the eighties, wasn't it? <laughs> and the seventies, yes, the 60s, I believe you had so. The fugitive. The sixties, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the A team always ended with them. They they get stuck somewhere, so they cobble together some invincible tank, uh-huh. which <laughs> rolls out at the baddies, and then everyone fires off automatic weapons, and nobody hits anybody. Nobody ever gets hurt. Uh, cars flip. There's always the a car flipping. Cars flip constantly. <laughs> people are tossed. Just they have people launched by catapults over <clears throat> railings constantly. Um, but nobody's ever hurt. No. You know, grenades land right next to someone and blow up. <laughs> but they're not hurt. It dusts themselves off. Get back into it. Um yeah, reset everything for the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mr. T, I mean, wow. he's He blends in, you know, like he's a total chameleon anywhere he goes. So I can understand why they managed to stay on the run, not get caught. <laughs> They've all got clever, clever nicknames, if I remember right. Face. Yes, Face, Hannibal. B.A. Baracus. Yes. Yeah. Which is Mur- bad attitude. Murdoch. Oh. Yeah, Murdoch. I think I only sat through one episode, but that's Ooh. all you need. <laughs> yeah, it is the same episode. They yes. wrote that one episode <laughs> and they just stuck with it. Yeah. Just <laughs> no be- matter what, they're they are gonna give you that episode <clears throat> the eighteen. So it's like it's like a mad lib, right? Where they just It pretty much yeah, yeah it's a just, mad lib. Yeah. You just fill in the different blanks and there's your new episode. They got a template. And it's a Mad Lib. Yeah, so uh, terrible show. Terrible, <laughs> terrible show. How'd you feel about the finale of The Boys? Did you finish it? Oh, yes, that I did finish it. probably a while it. ago, but yeah, forgot um, about it. It was, uh, it was good, except I I felt a little disappointed, I think. I, uh, I think last season ended a little stronger. Yeah. This one was a little... It's felt a little truncated, yeah. almost like maybe well, we were missing an episode. Yeah. They kept like having like big battles and then like long periods of discussion, which made sense in the story, 
But, like, when you're watching it, you're not like, oh, we're getting close to a finale. Like, we watched the finale, and then we're like, oh, wait, there's not another one. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what happened. Like, oh, that was it. Well, wasn't this, you know. I'll continue it another two years. <laughs> yeah. Well, next year. It'll be next Leave year. Leave them wanting so, more. That's the rule, isn't it? I think they start this August. They start filming, so. Mm. Um, hopefully it's pretty quick. Because I imagine that kid is is rapidly growing yeah ryan yeah they're <laughs> oh we gotta do something never cast a mm-hmm. kid mm. yeah just recast the kid you know you know what we they turned need? around and he's 47 <gasps> what they what That's they, they had to do with stranger things they had to like put in context of the show like another year between plot lines because especially like finn wolfhard got too tall and yeah. like they, they look too different and so they had to add like a like a, you know, beginning like card saying it was like whatever year it was that was two years later. Mm-hmm. They had to like change the plot. Because <laughs> they age them in the upside down world, so they mysteriously get oh, yeah. older when they come back. Yeah, it's yeah. the goo. <laughs> yeah, that seems reasonable, doesn't it? Yeah, if time moves differently there. I guess so. Mm. Right, it's like dog years or something. Sure. <laughs> yeah, they're down there. <laughs> The Upside Dog. Oh. So, was that it for recent? Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> okay. who, who the hell knows? Yeah. I don't know what I watched. Yeah, it's all I watched The Boys. That was good. That was about it. Bunch of MeTV and that was... Yeah, some MeTV, a lot of Adam 12. Oh, man. Why don't you just watch Chips while you're at it? If Chips was on, I would. It's not, it's not but on. But I don't know what channel Chips is on. <laughs> Chips is god-awful. It's. I tried to watch that a while back. Ooh. It's a California Highway Patrol. It's two guys, Ponch and John, <laughs> and they ride on motorcycles. and they Very get in, slowly. Mm-hmm, they get into uh, adventures? Sort of? I guess? Within Question the, mark? Within the parameters of their duties, but not really? Yeah. Um, and once somebody pointed out to me that the car chases and the pileups were all filmed at around five miles per hour, hmm. after someone tells you that, you can't help but notice it. Yeah, it's it's a real slow-moving show. Literally. And figuratively. Oh, man. So, um, for me, uh, most recently, um, of course, digging into Tubi, I found uh, some sci-fi documentaries, one of which, well, um, that guy Dick Miller, character actor that everyone should know, uh, veteran character actor, is is what the description says. He was Uh, in Gremlins. (laughs) He was in everything. But yes, he was in Gremlins and lots of other stuff. Over uh, almost two two hundred movies. I almost said two thousand. Almost two hundred. Yeah, almost two hundred <laughs> movies. Uh, six decades in the business, and he was just so recognizable once you kind of knew who he was. It's like, oh yeah, Dick Miller's in this thing. You know, like Chopping Mall. He's in it. The Terminator. Terminator. Yeah. yeah like yeah. everything. And uh, there's great interviews. You know, Joe Dante, Roger Corman. Um, oh my goodness! Just so many people that that worked with him and knew him. Even uh, even Corey Feldman. So uh, yeah, it's it's a great documentary. Uh, anyone who who wants uh, to kind of understand character actors a little better, this tells you like what is a really good one. 
you know, what, what's his career like? Yeah, his reputation was always one of those. He'd turn up in a movie, and you always got the history of that character just from a few seconds he was on there. Yeah, just the look on his face and a couple sentences. Yeah, yeah, he would let you know where he's coming from and what he's about. Yeah, so cool. And uh, just you know, just a real personable guy. You just like him, even if he's playing a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You just like that guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so this one is um, is totally uh, totally worth a look. Uh, you can find that one on Tubi for free. Of course, I always like to tell people, if you're watching stuff on Tubi, you want to save your progress in a movie, you want to make a, a watch list, just set up a profile. It, it really takes very little effort. doesn't cost anything. The commercials are few enough and far between enough to where you're, you're not going to be terribly bothered by them. Um, another one, I, uh, a rewatch for me, which I had not seen in several years was clue from 1985 Mm. almost perfect will it's an hour and 34 minutes but if you just stop watching i don't know if you can stop watching the credits because there's you know some scenes that they'll they'll hit you with the uh alternate endings Mm -hmm. if you saw this in the cinema back in the day you would have gotten one of the endings and then after the credits they showed you the other endings or did it happen like this zig you've seen clue yeah i saw it when i was pretty young and i remember it was like a dead guy in a shower and it scared the crap out of me did it yes that scared you i've never recovered um <laughs> you should rewatch it <laughs> no no i've seen it since okay um but still just like mentally scarred um yeah it's good one though like it yeah it's uh i guess you could call it an ensemble cast you know and, and the the dead guy uh, mr body as they called him <laughs> that's lee ving from fear so if you've heard any of Fear's music, I'm sure your dad has Probably. Fear the record. If <laughs> I mean, if, 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 well, which would be a record, but it, the album is called Fear the Record. Okay. Uh, the record, the record. Yeah. Fear, fear, the record, the record. Um, <laughs> but yeah, ask him if he has it. Then you could hear, um, oh God, what's, what's one of their, uh, was Let's Have a War? Was that them? Sure. Why not? I think, I think it was. <laughs> I think who I think, knows. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. Anyway, You're talking about some band, I don't know. I don't remember. You don't remember Fear? No. Uh, anyway, they were uh, one of. There's a there's a funny story behind it, but they were one of John Belushi's favorite bands, okay. and so he got them booked on SNL, and they really did not belong on SNL. Mm. <laughs> so that's a fun thing you can probably find, and watch a YouTube video of. But this has Madeline Kahn. Uh, Michael McKean, um, Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry. Tim Curry is front and center. Like his comedic acting in this is outstanding. Christopher Lloyd, Martin Mull. It's got so many good actors in it. Um, so anyway, that that was a great rewatch. It's available for no extra charge on Prime. And then, um, yeah. Than tonight's movie. Are we going to mention any Netflix show? Oh, the Netflix <laughs> show! All right, all right, all right, all right. This is this is a this is a long a long story that I will make as mercifully short as I can. Um, about three years ago, we sold our house eight blocks from here to a woman who's really cool. Um, she was very funny. Uh, she told our realtor that she was going to sit during the open house and hiss at everyone who came in and <laughs> make them go away. Mm-hmm. Well, whether she did that or not, she offered above asking and got the house. Mm-hmm. So she loved it. Uh, I built a, a lovely little screen patio to keep the mosquitoes out. A very solid 
cedar 4x4s and full thickness 2x4s. Um, little screen door, go in there, no mosquitoes bother you. <laughs> really nice. Um, you could sit out there, have a cocktail. You could sit out there and just listen to the rain drumming on the corrugated tin roof. It was, it was very nice. It was that or get bit to death by mosquitoes. Yes. I think I made the right choice. Um, so at some point the woman says, hey, you all should come over. Um, they're doing some house flipper type show and they're doing something to the house. And oh, she no. disclosed that they were going to tear down the screen patio and build build a room, a room addition. And uh, that's, that's, as, that's as concise as I can tell you that the show is called uh, How to Build a Sex Room. And uh, I saw it months before the show actually aired, like months and months before it actually aired. And I spotted a couple things and it's like, there's something going on in this room. And it, of course she said, yeah, the show is, the show is about turning something in your house or adding something to your house. That's going to be a sex room. And the woman, um, and can't any room be a sex room? Any room could be a sex room if you have sex in it. That's, that's all it takes. Okay. You know, utility mop mop cloth you know like broom closet uh mop sink. <laughs> we're listing rooms now yeah. <laughs> okay uh, i'm the janitor and you're the janitor's <laughs> wife <laughs> so anyway um <laughs> you don't want to list more rooms they, they, yeah the no crawl, that's the, the crawl room. space <laughs> the attic <laughs> so they I don't know. The, the show does the typical reality, quote unquote, reality show thing. And it just like plays with editing and, you know, looks and eye rolls and all that shit. They make the neighbor look like she's really nosy and she's not that nosy. Uh, she's a, she's a good neighbor. She's a, a really cool woman. And anyway, um, so I watch this thing and it's like they were a little insulting of my uh, screen patio. Oh, no. Yeah. She called it a shabby shed. <laughs> it's a fucking screen patio. Uh, and pointed out gaps in these boards. It's like, yeah, yeah, gaps in boards. And when they shrink, it happens. But uh, the, the solid parts of it were solid. And I, I watched this thing. Putting that aside, I could say that it was, it was pretty vanilla. You couldn't expect someone to have sex in that room, clearly. No. No one's going to have sex in that room. Find a broom closet or a utility <laughs> sink somewhere and just do your... <laughs> Do your worst. <laughs> so it's episode eight for anyone who cares. And you Any can, swing can be a sex swing. Is that you're right? Yeah. <laughs> but it shouldn't be. <laughs> That's true. Especially if there's uh, you know school in session. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it was um, it was it was a thing that I watched, and uh, it's like you know it's kind of gaudy and kind of vanilla for how kinky they're trying to play it off to be yeah and i thought they were kind of there's a wolf the shelf yeah yeah literally yeah they they actually show shopping and uh i i guess the the butt plug was a no sale <laughs> it just wasn't happening with the fox tail hanging off of it or whatever uh whatever so that's the thing i watched and Jolien, you screened it for me and said, "Ah, eh, you know." Yeah, you wanted to me to watch it first because it's so aggravating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did and reported back to you. I was like, "Hey, is this milk sour? You smell it first. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's what it was like. And of course, uh, Fresh. Um, so Ziggy, you picked Fresh. Yeah, I did. Do you want to tell us a little about it? Like why you picked it, what you thought when you first watched it, that kind um, of thing? Yeah. I We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I really like cannibalism movies um, for totally wholesome reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what were those reasons again? I don't know. Well, if I had my leg amputated, I'd let my friends have a nibble. That is usually just the disclaimer that I throw out there. I think that, I don't know, it seems, it seems weird. I don't know, you eat a lot of foods in your life, but you can't, <laughs> but you can't eat people. I don't know. Okay, here's a question. It's a, it's a weird rule. <laughs> Where do you draw the line on what is cannibalism? Eating people. Okay. If you, if you, if you, <laughs> I don't understand the question. If you bite your nails. Oh, see, okay. I, I think about this a lot. I, okay. 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 <laughs> I do think about this a lot. That doesn't count, I guess. It doesn't? Yeah. No, because nobody's going to put you in jail for doing that. Hmm. You cut your finger, you suck on the blood. No, no jail. No jail for that? <laughs> no jail. Okay. So that's not cannibalism. Mm-hmm. At what point does it become cannibalism? Does it have to be the whole end of the finger? Um, I don't know. You're not nibbling a piece of skin off of your cuticles? I don't make a habit of, <laughs> of cannibalism, of any, on, like on the scale, the, um... Was there a cannibalism scale? Well, yeah. it's a spectrum. <laughs> it's a cannibalism spectrum. Obviously. And I try to stay off of it, because I don't want to go to jail, and a couple other reasons, mm-hmm. I guess. Um... <laughs> But I think I think the problem with cannibalism is that you would never ever be able to get a decent night's sleep ever again. Why do you think that? Because people are out there eating other people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sleeping with one eye open. Because <laughs> <laughs> people are out there chomping down. I don't know. You know. I don't know. Um. Anyways. I don't know where I'll have to think about the spectrum and where I think the cannibalism like definition lies besides just eating people. But in this movie, it's definitely cannibalism. For sure. That is the what the harvesting of people and preparing them and eating them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, do you feel like your your uh, views on cannibalism and cannibalism movies were influenced by how much you like Hannibal Lecter? I do really like Hannibal Lecter. So much, in fact, that I took a personality test that all my friends were taking, and I got, like, a 90% personality match for Romeo from Romeo and Juliet, and also Hannibal Lecter. Oh. How those two things... Also from Romeo and Juliet. Also from yeah. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Strange. It was, like, all medias. It was, like, books, movies, TV. Uh, Is there anything Shakespeare did not come up with first? Laser swords. Thundercats. I don't think he came up with laser swords. Yeah, he, did. he has got that good cannibalism scene, hasn't he? Does have a good cannibalism <laughs> scene. Not, not in Romeo and Juliet. But... Yeah. So should we call it the Diodato scale? <laughs> so if you if you bite your nails, not so much, but if, no. you, if you nibble the cuticle well, and chew it up and swallow it, it. If you enjoy it, if you're like, I'm eating a person, well then like, yeah, that's mm. It's a little scary. Yeah, leave me alone. I'm eating the person over here. <laughs> yeah. I want that on a shirt. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say to that. All right. Well, um, so you, you've you you've uh, tested for sociopath, not sociopath, psychopath? 
I have personally. Yeah, you tested positive for psychopath. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I really like Hannibal Lecter. I saw Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs was probably my first, like, horror movie, but my parents watched it with me, which basically qualifies it as not a horror movie, just like a suspense thriller, because mm. they won't do horror. Sure. Um, and I liked it. Thrill- After a while, I was very scared for a bit. Um, and then I watched the show, the Hannibal show, which I very much liked. Um, I thought that that one was super cool. Um, I wish that was the title of the, the Hannibal the show. Hannibal show. Hannibal show. The Hannibal <laughs> show with Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> Special guest, Rube Taylor. Who's Hannibal eating this week? I wonder. <laughs> it's Don Knotts. <laughs> With Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. Oh. Variety shows. Ziggy, you've missed out on a whole era oh of television. My God. <laughs> Variety shows. Oh my goodness. So. Um, yeah, and then I just found that like I watched um Criminal Minds and there's like one episode I'm gonna spoil this just outright. There's yeah. one episode where they find out that the guy is like sacrificing girls to the devil or something, but he's also like eating them because he's got like a cookbook. And they're they're looking to serve man. They're looking for there's yes. um I forget what it's called when you get like a whole town together to search for somebody in the woods. A posse. <laughs> no, not exactly. <laughs> no. A search. Yeah, it's like a search party. Search party. And they search have posse. they have like volunteers doing like tents and like with like water and food and they figure out at the wrong moment that the guy that's running the food tent is the cannibal they're looking mm. for. And has put her in the beans because he made like baked beans. No. And there's this part where they all are like, no. And they're like, she's in the beans. And I don't know. I thought it was hilarious. The beans are people. <laughs> yeah. Human beans. <laughs> Human beans. <laughs> um, but in like Wait other a minute, horror Where's the dad genre? joke noise you like to make? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um... No, but overall, I always thought it was, like, a very interesting, like, trope and, like, just mind thing. Because a lot of movies will, like, throw cannibalism in there or, like, forced cannibalism to, like, mess with your head or to, like, make a character, like, choose, you know, or something. And I always thought that was really scary. Mm-hmm. And then I watched some cannibal movies and I was like, this is a genre I like. We all so, have our things. So how far back in the world of cannibal movies have you gone have you watched cannibal holocaust yeah i have okay um what do you think of that one i think that a lot so i take issue with a lot of cannibalism movies though because they're often really unnecessarily violent (laughs) you want you want a a gentle cannibalism well okay like cannibal holocaust and like green inferno on top of being incredibly racist there's it's also like really unnecessarily gore. Like can like Cannibal Holocaust has animal cruelty in it. Like we don't need it. No. Please calm down. Um, be a chill cannibal. But also the racism, bad. There's a lot of like. I don't. It's it's just like. That the racism, or it's often like a fear of like poor people. I guess even if mm-hmm. it's not racist, it's like for a fear of poor people. Or fear of the other. Yeah. Um... So I've seen Cannibal Holocaust, and then I've seen a lot of, like, newer ones. Like, I really liked Raw. I know we talked about that the other time, and you Mm. don't like Raw. That's fine. Be that way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got into about half an hour into it, and they were, like, started in on the animals. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. 
So in doing this, these movies are like, yeah, brown people would do this. It's <laughs> it's nothing a, a decent white person would ever do. And then yeah. Hannibal Lecter's like, hold my Chianti. He's like the most decent white person. And then he's <laughs> right. eating people. Yeah, right. no, I love it. Love is Hannibal. That, is that a course correction? Well, or, or, Han- Hannibal it... has the whole like eat the rich thing or like eat the well, rude. He says eat the rude. And then the everybody ru- put it oh. with the eat the rich. Eat the rude. I love like that. Okay. Love to see it. Um, no, but I'm also really big on like vampires. Like we, we talked about this. I don't really mm-hmm. like mummies or werewolves, but I love vampires. And vampires and cannibalism as a trope are pretty connected. Yeah, I guess you could say that. It's like... A monster that eats people. Yeah. Period. It feeds off humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I looked into. Do you want to do history of cannibal yeah. movies? Yes, please. I wanted to find the earliest okay. I could. Uh, the earliest that I found was Buster and the Cannibal's Child from 1912. Wow. Oh, wow. Which is a child cast comedy short. Oh. Uh, Buster Johnson dreams about being stranded on a cannibal island and becoming their king. So it doesn't have any cannibal scenes as such, but it, uh, you know any any like tribe of black people on an island was referred to as cannibals, didn't matter. Okay. Yeah. Um, but so I asked um, Stephen Bissett, who's contributed to a book on cannibal films, what There's the a book on cannibal films. Oh yeah. Oh. Um, what he thinks the earliest cannibal film was and he turned up one called in the bogeyman's cave or the uh, the ogre's cave this is from 1907 wow it's a georges Mali film uh we've got this ogre he just looks like a ordinary guy with a beard um chops up a child seasons and cooks it in a pot then he falls asleep in his chair and he has a nightmare about a fairy and gnomes uh throwing him onto the fire hmm how long was this movie? Mm. Seven minutes? Yeah. Then there's is like myths real? and things that go back really far too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, is it, is it Kronos who eats his children? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've always found those stories like really interesting for no reason. And I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm like, well, what do people taste like? Does it really taste like chicken? Or if it's just because I'm like, that's a weird thing that I'll never know. Mm-hmm. No clue. You say that now. I know. I do say that now. Um, then there's uh, there was these series of documentaries uh, in the te- teens and twenties about uh, the cannibals of the South Seas. Um, so they started in 1912. There's a short documentary showing dancing and head modification. Um, uh, there was like a series of films made by this couple named Martin and Osa Johnson, uh, who uh, sailed around the South Pacific. And uh, uh, it's basically an early Mondo film. Um, people just doing their thing, being gawped at. Mm-hmm. and given demeaning narration. So, <laughs> so Mondo films didn't become Mondo films until the 60s, but I'll, I'll get to that later, right? Uh, the Enchanted Kiss from 1917, this one's lost. Uh, director's David Smith, who is from uh, my old patch of Kent, um, England. Nice. Oh, uh, yeah. This is based on an O. Henry story. It's got Jack Pierce, who did the Frankenstein makeup. Yeah. He plays a dwarf. He's credited as dwarf. He was um, he was like five foot two, so so maybe they thought, oh, this, who's the shortest guy we got? A, uh, the makeup guy. So in the course of the story, there's a there's a character who, who drinks absinthe, and uh, <laughs> he has dreams about a Mexican cannibal, oh, who eats women to stay young or something. Okay. Uh, then you got the uh, uh, Sweeney Todd movies. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like one, two, three, four, five movies. 
about Sweeney Todd. Um, so the original story was a Penny Dreadful serial. Uh, Penny Dreadful were these really cheaply produced um, mass market little uh, illustrated storybooks, uh, which generally went out with, with the working class around London. And, and uh, they were looked down on by everybody, um, uh, partly because uh, everyone just looked down the working class anyway, mm-hmm. and partly because fear of the working class becoming more educated and being able to read and mm-hmm. reading for entertainment. Um, so they were the video nasties of their day. Um, Propose that they also eat the rich in that movie. Yeah. And the subject matter was considered vulgar? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and they, they would be. They'd be sensational. With it. You know, this is where Va- Varney the Vampire comes from. Yeah. Were they like all that. musicals? I mean, obviously not the book. Well, uh, were they all musicals Sweeney Todd, the 2007 one was the, the okay. Burton one. Um, so the Penny Dreadful serial was called The String of Pearls, came out in 1846. But it was it was reprinted and quickly put on the stage. Um, so Sweeney Todd works at 186 Fleet Street, and he supplies ingredients for Miss Lovett's meat pies. Mm-hmm. Um, the urban legend of suspect ingredients in meat pies goes back way earlier than that. Um, Ch- Charles Dickens talks about it hmm. um, in his novel Martin Chuzzlewit from 1843. He cautions people about what they eat. In certain oh. areas of London. Um, then before that, there was Matthew Gregory Lewis. He did, did this early, one of the very first Gothic novels. It was called The Monk um, from 1796. And that's got the old story about uh, travellers being waylaid at a roadside inn, which also plays into Texas Chainsaw. Uh-huh. But that's a, that's a really old myth as well. It goes way back. Um, and then uh, circa 1900, you get what I call sausage exploitation. <laughs> Um, because there's always urban legends about what was turning up in meat pies. Um, they, they made all these silent movies, like maybe like five minutes, where various things are fed into a machine and then out comes something completely unlikely. So it was, it was usually cats and dogs being put into one end of a machine and then a string of sausages comes out the other. Sometimes they do the reverse process. They feed the... <laughs> people come looking for a pet and then they, <laughs> they point to a certain string of sausages which is labelled with dachshund or whatever and they put they put the sausages back into the machine and out comes a dachshund so nice they're all these like early <laughs> trick films right yeah. sausage exploitation um, Scotland's best known cannibal is uh, Sawney Bean have you heard of him? no no so this is a 16th century family uh, they lived in a cave in the southwest coast of Scotland and um so there's a story about it in the Newgate tabloid. Newgate was a, you know, it was North Gate of London, famous for public hangings. Tens of thousands of people attend public hangings. But anyway, they had their own tabloid, and they talked about this. That's the only evidence there is of this actually happening. Hmm. Um, so it could be completely made up. Um, but anyway, uh, Sawney Bean got together with this woman, and they had children, and their children had children, and sometimes. Well, often, you know, there was, there was yeah. a bit more mating going on. And uh, so they ended up with 48 people living in this cave and uh, waylaying many, 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 many people and eating them. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's been a basis for a couple of movies, but not often. Um, Gal the Killer from 1931. This is a Mondo film about Melanesians who, quote, still live in the Dark Stone Age. Uh, the narrator does po- point out how whites, including missionaries, killed off mon- most of the Polynesians with disease. Mm. Um, mix of patronising quips and admiration, disgust at cannibals, 
and the footage was recycled for Cannibal Island, 1956. Hmm. So a cannibal movie which cannibalizes a cannibal movie. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, <laughs> um, so the, I think the first major fictional movie, feature for length movie, is called Doctor X, 1932, directed by Michael Curtiz. Uh, stars Faye Ray, Lionel Atwell, a uh, very early Technicolor film about mad science <clears throat> and cannibalism. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, there's Kid in Africa, which is another comedy short starring Shirley Temple from 1933. <laughs> what? How many cannibal movies star Shirley Temple? This one. No, so Shirley Kid Temple. in Africa, 1933, a Tarzan parody with an all-child cast. Uh, Temple is on a, <clears throat> quote, cannibal-taming expedition. Oh. which gives you some idea of the general race relations of these movies. Yes. Um, she gets put into a pot by cannibals and rescued by Tarzan, and uh, she falls in love with Tarzan. These are all played by children. Um, not weird whatsoever. No, it's not disturbing to watch whatsoever. I just want, like, a housewife who's also, like, a cannibal. Like, that's the story I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, Five Came Back from 1939... Uh, stars Lucy Ball and John Carradine. This is a disaster movie with a plane crash. Not won't be the last of those. Um, <laughs> the plane crashes in the Amazon. The survivors are picked off by the locals. You don't actually see the cannibals. They're a lurking presence off screen. Um, this was remade in 1948 and 1956 as Back from Eternity. Um, Cannibal Attack from 1954. This is a Johnny Weissmuller film. After he made the Jungle Jim movies and they lost the rights to Jungle Jim, so they just called him Johnny Weissmuller. <laughs> so he plays Johnny Weissmuller. He fights henchmen disguised as crocodiles. No cannibal action in it. Um, suddenly last summer from 1959, this has a cannibal climax, and it was a major film. Um, the uh, production code administration was lenient with the depiction of homosexuality in the film, since, quote, the film illustrates the horrors of such a lifestyle. It can be considered moral in theme, even though it deals with sexual perversion. Perversion. It stars uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Um, and then the first war movie which deals with cannibalism was Fires on the Plain from 1959, directed by Connie Chikawa. Um, this is about the, you know, the Japanese being stuck out in the islands and resorting to cannibalism, which happened. Oh. Um, and then you get into the Mondo movies in the 60s. Uh, so the, the first big hit and which gave the genre its name was Mondo Carne, which means World of Dogs, uh, 1962. Um, the song from it was called More, and it was nominated for an Oscar in 1963. So the first of the Oscar-winning cannibal movies. Wow. Um, composer was Riz Ortolani, who went on to score Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> Uh, then Blood Feast, 1963, Herschel Gordon-Lewis filmed the first gore movie about the Egyptian feast. Uh, the Naked Prey from 1965 is directed by Cornel Wilde. Um, one of his films which uh, which predicts a future sub-genre. Um, so the N Naked Prey, you've got this elephant-killing expedition who abuse the locals and pay for it with slow deaths by the locals and creative so the, deaths yeah too. so this turns up in the late in the italian cannibal movies the idea of uh, white people exploiting the locals and abusing them and then getting desserts mm -hmm. shall we say yeah <laughs> um the guide is given a chance to run and the rest of the movie is and there's almost no dialogue at all yeah this one um i remember 
Oh, it was many, many years ago. My dad told me about this one and I managed to find it on a video rental and watched it. And I was really impressed. Yeah, it's fantastic. Film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the last guy that they, you know, they choose his, his form of uh, execution, so to speak. They shoot an arrow and let him get a head start. And when he passes the arrow, that's when they start chasing him yeah. one by one. So then the next hunter passes the arrow, then the next hunter behind him mm. begins. And uh, it's it's quite the chase movie. Yeah, yeah. So he, he plays the, the guide as well. Yeah. Um, so 1968, Night of the Living Dead. Mm. Zombies go cannibal. Mm-hmm. So... The definition of cannibalism, this is kind of where you're getting... I Most of the lists that I've seen of people like making like cannibalist, cannibal list of movies... That didn't make any sense. But lists of cannibal movies tend to exclude zombies and disease that makes you eat people. Like um, Cabin Fever and Cabin mm. Fever 2, I guess. Which I guess is zero, Patient Zero. It's the second one. But I think that to some degree it still counts. Because it's still technically people eating people. Mm-hmm. Unless you're calling zombies no longer people and are now just like separate creatures. Hey, if you want to be narrow-minded like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not prejudiced against the, un- right. the undead. Uh, a Man Called Horse from 1970. Uh, it's not a cannibal movie. This is a Western. Um, it's a kind of Western version of Tarzan. You've got this English aristocrat who's played by Richard Harrison who's captured by a tribe and goes through the vow to the sun ritual and becomes their leader. This turns up in cannibal movies. This idea of a white man being taken in and become the leader, mm-hmm. um, and the, the the whole sun ritual thing turns up in cannibal ferox mm-hmm. very gorily. Um, man from Deep River is the first Italian cannibal movie, 1972. Uh, Umberto Lenzi uh, is a British white man who's tortured and inducted into a tribe, and uh, here you see animals getting killed for real. Um, uh, there's another British one, Deathline, 1972. Gary Sherman in the US is called Raw Meat, based on the legend of uh, workers on the London Underground and during cabins they got trapped, which actually happened. But whether they turned into a tribe of cannibals is unknown. Um, Cannibal Girls from 1973 is directed by Ivan Reitman, who went on to Ghostbusters. Um, it stars Eugene Levy. Uh, from American Pie, who becomes Canadian Pie. Um, I like the, American Pie, the comedy movie, the stupid... Yep. I love that movie. Uh, yeah, if you want to see him in a cannibal movie, watch Cannibal Girls. Okay. Um, the Tenderness of Wolves, 1973. This is an Uli Lomel film based on the real-life Fritz Harman, the wolf, wolf man of Hanover, a uh, notorious cannibal criminal of the uh, 20s or 30s. Uh, 1974, you get Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 1976, you get Survive, which is a René Cardona Jr. film of the 1972 airplane disaster, also filmed as Alive in 1993. Um, This uh, Survive was the number one movie in the US for a couple of weeks. Wow. 76. Uh, Last Cannibal World from 1977. This is another Italian. This is from Ruggiero Diodato. Stars Mimi Lei and Ivan Rasimov. They were both in The Man from Deep River. Um, the lead is Massimo Foschi, and he's the white captive of a tribe, and in this case in Mindanao. Uh, animals are killed. Uh, this was when the cannibal movies 
really got going in the 80s. This was re-released as Jungle Holocaust. Uh, Apocalypse Now from 1979. Uh, not a cannibal movie, but you get white people penetrating the jungle and um, the depths of this voyage into the heart of darkness. The uh, Montagnards kill a water buffalo on screen. So um, major US movies actually killing animals on screen. It was not unknown. It was not just the Italians doing it. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust from 1980, Ruggiero Diodato again. Uh, uses, this is like a, a found footage movie. Uh, seven animals are killed on screen. This was a huge hit. $200 million. Wow. Estimated. For those days. That'd be good now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also 1980, Eaten Alive from Umberto Lenzi again. Dr. Butcher, MD. We're going to eat you. Black <laughs> orgasm. Devil hunter. Cannibal world. This is this is the peak year for Euro cannibalism. Nineteen eighty one. You got Cannibal Ferox with Umberto Lenzi again. Cannibal Terror, which uses footage from Cannibal World. Um, in nineteen eighty six, you get Hannibal Lecter turns up, spelled a little differently, in a film called uh, Manhunter. Then 1991, you get Silence of the Lambs, which wins five Oscars, including one for the cannibal. Uh, and then um, it goes kind of quiet until 2012 when you get Butcher Boys, The Green Inferno, Bone Tomahawk, and Raw. And then uh, 2022, you get Fresh. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. I'll steal the list from you at some point. Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, what was your uh, your first viewing of this one like, Will? Assuming you watched it once. Um, it was okay. Yeah? Did you uh, did you feel like they they treated the material uh, like in a new, different way? Or did it feel like, oh, I've seen this before? What, what were you thinking? Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, it, I guess the reason I asked that is because our villain just seems so matter-of-fact about what he's doing and so completely certain he's not going to get caught. And we don't see as much of that without there being little holes in what he's doing, being opportunities for the the captives to you know, possibly work on getting free. And when he finally does let his guard down, he lets it down completely. And I thought that was kind of different for this kind of movie, um, which right off the bat, I found it pretty interesting that uh, there was no escape, no escape whatsoever. And all of a sudden, yeah, let's sit down to dinner and I'll unlock you this time. Well, most cannibal movies when they're like, you know, the Hannibal Lecter type tend to be so prideful and arrogant and like, well, like, Hannibal Lecter has the whole, like, God complex thing. Especially in the show, he thinks that he's, like, purifying people. And so when people, when, like, the police are coming after him, he's like, nah, no way. And I don't know, I guess that's kind of, like, the downfall of it. So I don't know. I really liked, I, I love this movie. <laughs> it was, it, it definitely had some, some turns and, and some uh, different takes on the, the usual subject. Julian, what did you think of this one? I really liked it, yeah. Yeah? Very well done. It was interesting, though. I just saw this guy um, on the, uh, oh, what, I can't even tell you which uh, late night show it was, but um, Sebastian Stan just played Tommy Lee in some made-for-TV uh, 
Pam and Tommy movie. Yeah, which apparently he's really good in also. I think that his range is pretty impressive. I only knew him from Marvel movies because he's the Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. Um, I remember him in Black Swan as well. Oh, oh was yeah. he? Okay, Interesting. Okay, I've seen him in that too. Um, but when the trailer came out for this movie, I was really excited about it. And then I was like, I don't know how he's going to do. And I thought he did great. As Steve. Steve. Yeah. Yeah. He, in the clips I saw of him playing Tommy Lee, he seemed to be really, really, uh, playing it off. Like it seemed pretty, uh, pretty good. So, um, yeah, I watched this one for the first time less than a week ago and, you know, I found it, uh, to be a kind of a different, more interesting take on the, on the subject of somebody holding somebody captive more so than the cannibal aspect of it. Mm -hmm. The, the cannibalism and the gore all come in, in like the last bit, which I also think is pretty refreshing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Without saying like, it's fresh. (laughs) It's a fresh, it's a fresh take. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fresh take. Yeah. Um, which I, I think that for me, this movie does really well because everything is much more low-key than a lot of cannibal movies where it is like a lot of chasing and a lot of violence and a lot of like kind of torture too. This felt really believable to me, which is part of what makes it scary um, for sure. And I think also because it is marketed as kind of like a dark comedy, mm-hmm. it's a lot more relatable. Did you find... Uh, any of you, did you find yourselves wondering, is this guy really doing what he's saying he's doing or is maybe there's some different angle to this until you saw the actual freezer full of flesh or his little dance kitchen scene? Yeah. So good. Were you, were you wondering, uh, if, if this was really going on for any amount of the movie or were you pretty much just trusting that on the face of it, this is what was happening? He had no reason to lie when he just lays it out for her what's mm-hmm. gonna happen yeah which like i like when he tells her his plan because he's so clearly trying to like gaslight her like there's a part where she's like freaking out and he's like don't be dramatic and it's like <laughs> it's such a like manipulative manipulative like conversation which is also interesting from the dating angle that the story takes because it's like commentary on online dating and whatever but with what you were saying on like expecting it to him to be like lying or it to be something else um i think the only thing that i really didn't see coming from like him was how his wife was hmm. involved complicit yeah and then also that like I, I i expected the cannibalism because it's kind of like in the description but when he's introduced and then especially when they go to his little cabin and she's drugged there's a bigger fear there because you don't know what's gonna like happen you don't know where it's going i mean even though you've read the 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 summary Mm-hmm. or like you know been told about it and like when he comes in to tell her um his plan he like lays out what he's not going to do too and so i think that's the only part where i was like oh okay <laughs> yeah it, it seemed weird to me he didn't get suspicious when she started to play along as as completely as she did that's part of where i kind of was confused and bought it because part of me was like is that's... she doing this to survive or is she actually curious yeah, and, and, and his hubris is, is mm-hmm. kind of his downfall, isn't it? Which, in, in a lot of good movies, that's going to be the case. You know, your, your character is just so cocky and so sure and full of himself that he's like, of course they think this is awesome. Yeah, let's uh, get some good wine and sit down and uh, do this thing. 
So um, he uh, cuts off one of her butt cheeks, and that's <laughs> as far as it goes. Did, yeah, with her. Yeah. Yep. He didn't. He didn't like also take a, a leg or a calf muscle or anything. Nope. Just this. And, like, this, the, the subtlety of it. <laughs> do, 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 do. I think the subtlety of it and also the humor of it because like he thinks that she's acting up and so he takes her butt cheek and it's kind of funny. We're like, what? Why would you do that? Because there's so many other things you could take. Right. And I think like the subtlety and the humor of it are for me what make it work so well. Um, yeah. Hmm. So, um... <clears throat> You start to sort of discover that there are maybe several other uh, captives, prisoners, Mm -hmm. as it were. Um, Did you find that believable or did or did you think maybe he should just have one at a time? Um, I think that that was I thought that it was believable. My fear was that one of the other girls, because we never see them until the end, would have been, like, his wife or, like, him doing a voice or something. Yeah. Um, I thought that that was probable. But I like, um, there's a part where she gets, like, a magazine that he gives to her because she's been good or whatever. And one of the other girls has written a note in it that says, like, you know, like, hang in there, which reminded me a lot of The Handmaid's Tale. There's a part where there's, like, Latin written in the floor. Mm. And it's... I forget what it actually is, but it's just the the prior handmaid um, telling her to like hold on. Um, it's like it's something like don't let him get you down or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, is that what it is? I can't remember. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Yes. Is that what it is? That is what it is. That's just weird. In Latin. A friend of mine um, wrote that uh, for me and put it on my fridge years and years ago. It's a- joke it's like a latin joke because it's not proper latin but no. it's also really famous for the handmaid's tale which also the trailer for season five just came out and i'm so excited oh. i'm so excited um yeah sorry i got sidetracked we were talking about the other girls if it was believable for him to have multiple at once mm-hmm. and quite the freezer full uh, it's kind of weird like they would they didn't do that trope where it's like let's have some something in the background where there's a news report about how many people are actually missing in this area. You know, like they artfully did that in the lost boys with the, with the bulletin board full of all the missing kids. They didn't do anything like that with this one. You're just supposed to understand that it's a big enough city. People go missing all the time. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I think that they keep this scale intentionally small <clears throat> because we're really concerned with Noah and her like, momentary whatever right and they leave that circle to deal with them isn't the friend named molly is that her name yes molly who's looking for her um but only very briefly it's really just noah in her little room and then steve being a goofball and also terrible right um now her friend molly did you find the character believable you guys think it was like when she appeared i thought oh great gay and black best friend trope it's like there's the representation <laughs> but she's she's good she's like a three-dimensional yeah character yeah she's she's not just there to go oh no you didn't or anything like that <laughs> we didn't we, we didn't get like that stereotypical mm-hmm. you know crap um i felt like what was cool about her was her like scooby-doo detective work was mm-hmm. pretty believable mm-hmm. you know yeah. like she's gonna reverse google search this picture mm-hmm. 
which was the last possible clue she could have gotten and the only clue she got it's like oh we're going this area here's a picture and then mm-hmm. that you know all contact is cut off i thought that was pretty cool because then she was able to say all right well you know let's see if we can figure out who this guy is what uh what you weren't expecting was at this point the wife to be not just complicit but in on it mm-hmm. and to drug her or you know subdue her hits her really hard in the head yeah because she's not going to drink that glass mm-hmm. she knows better and the dude shows up and acts so nonchalant you know he's he's good at playing it off that's kind of what he does but on the other hand he's really careless about his hunting mm-hmm. i thought you know he used a credit card he was in a bar where he was able to be recognized i thought well Maybe that's not the most believable thing for a villain who's so meticulous and whatnot, but... Mm-hmm. I think that that's just because he liked her. Because he did like her to some degree, and towards the end of the movie, the goal for Noah and her survival becomes making him like her, which is, again, commentary on, like, dating stuff. But I think that, you know, part is his his downfall was letting his guard down because he liked her. And I think that maybe that's why he was less careful. When they go out, like, the first time, he asks her, uh, like, casually if she, you know, has family and friends in the area, if people know about him, and she says that it's just Molly. And so I guess that's where they were. I also think that it was kind of some lazy hunting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because he's found pretty pretty quickly. Well, okay, on the first night out, he says, she says, uh, can I get you something to eat? And he <laughs> says, just you. <laughs> yeah I thought uh, it was like the 21st century equivalent of I never drink wine yes mm-hmm. yeah. or that I'm having a friend for dinner yes <laughs> right all of these things keep getting handed down mm-hmm. from generations of movies to the next um, um, what do you guys think of the dance scene not the kitchen dance oh, scene but the dinner yeah that's great yeah. I love that so I think one of the directors did music videos prior yeah she she did and i mean this this movie won a sundance award right i think that's correct it was released at sundance i see that let's uh, let, me, let me take something? a quick look here and or see nominated um, Mimi cave it did win best horror at the hollywood critics association mid-season film awards um and apparently there's a hollywood critics association tv awards which uh I guess these actors were in some limited series that they're also nominated for. Separate thing. But mm-hmm. for, for the movie Fresh, yes. It um, won Best Horror. Best Streaming Movie and Best Horror it was nominated for. It won Best Horror, but it's pending. I, I guess <laughs> I guess the other awards aren't in yet for TV because this crosses over because it is streaming as well as yeah. a feature-length movie. Mm-hmm. So it might win that also. Yeah, I know. I asked because I found that it was pretty stylized, I guess, and like the way shots were done and the coloring and the dance scene, especially. I was reading reviews and a lot of people felt like it was out of place and didn't like it. But I really, really love that scene. I think it is like absolutely hypnotic. I don't know. I really loved it. So I was You're curious. Watching her to break, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. You want. You expect there to be an attempt earlier than what it actually happens, but she's playing a long game here, mm-hmm. and it, uh, well, it works out. Uh, the The escape, uh, she's she's got levels to her game, 
and she knows that uh, once she really wins over his trust, she's going to be able to get free and escape this scene. Um, yeah, uh, how does how does she initially get out of the out of the uh, restraints? I'm trying to remember. She she tricks him into letting her out. Yeah, she goes to have dinner with him once, and then he puts her back, mm-hmm. and then well, she's like tied to the chair, I guess, and then he buys her a dress and is like, we're going to have a nice dinner, a nice romantic dinner. And she's like, yay. <clears throat> and her hands are free. And after their dance, it leads pretty much into what we're assuming is going to be a sex scene. And mm-hmm. then it's her escaping. That's, that's, that's right. Uh, very lovely dress with sneakers. It's a very <laughs> weird dress. It is a dated dress with a giant bow, Right. which I was thinking that- a lot about. And is the giant a... bow to me read very like gift, you know, like okay. Christmassy, very like, but again, that's reading into things like crazy. Well, you can though. I mean, cause yeah. it, could, it could be saying old fashioned, like he wants to keep women in their place and, and keep things old fashioned by giving yeah. her this kind of old fashioned looking dress. Mm-hmm. Or that he's like out of touch to some extent. That could be. To me, the giant bow read gift, which is, you know, a thing with feminism and media being presented as only bodies and not characters mm-hmm. um yeah and then her escape when they're like going to have sex and then she basically castrates him i think that's the implication i like that that's the only real like on-screen violence that we see right everything else has been you you're assuming that this is happening or it's kind of blurry because she's not totally present like when he's taking her her butt cheek i think she's like awake but you can't see anything really right but this was like bloody and in your face for longer than any of the other scenes which i think is another moment where it you know subverts tropes or is just a new take yeah and you start thinking that maybe maybe this whole thing is going to turn back around and the escape's not going to happen and it almost ends up that way Mm -hmm. so we 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 actually get some real suspense toward the end of the movie which i really appreciated uh, a lot of times these movies are just like, yeah, they're going to do a few, you know, almost grabs and getaways and, you know, another ankle grab. And then yeah. A, but this is like, oh, no, here comes the wife and she's going to. You know, I she, did think that part was kind of stupid. She the, she Noah goes back to get her phone because she dropped it. Right. No. At some point you just run. Like, I guess they're really out there. But I think like at some point you just run. I would hope so. <laughs> and so that I struggled with, but I mean, I guess there's no other real way for the wife to get to them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they, they have to do it however they choose to do it. But uh, yeah, I found that to be really good uh, as far as like, it's like, oh no, she's going to march him right back there and lock him up. But no, they, they get the gun. Uh, did they get the shovel away from her? I'm trying to remember how, that, how the thing went with the shovel. Um, don't remember specifically. Oh yeah, Molly. Molly clocks Anne with a shovel. Oh yeah, because she's strangling Noah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're like, oh no, she's gonna end her all of a sudden. Bong. Right. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And she says like, uh, this is, this is all the fault of people like you. <laughs> That's right. So, um, does this hit enough notes with feminism? I have to ask. I think so. Um, I think that it's pretty self-aware since it's a comedy. You know, there's the, um, when she's on her first date with Steve and she says something about not sleeping with people on the first date and then sleeps with them and it's like, 
the basically the audience reaction is very like aha women say one thing to another and it's like intentional you know Mm -hmm. and i think that this speaks some to feminism we get our three final girls and you know we have powerful female leads throughout the whole thing i'm pretty sure that like i mean noah never to me came off as pretty like meek or like weak i guess as soon as the drama started she seems pretty beat down and like tired in the beginning but as soon as her life is in danger she's like got a plan you know i think that this movie says a lot about like dating culture because there is like steve's whole thing is that there's something that he wants to take from people and make them less whole you know Mm -hmm. and then move on to the next and that is a constant fear for anybody who's dating especially online dating and the threat of violence in dating and in relationships is constant, always. Any date is a risk. And I think that, like, especially at like, the end of this movie where the credit scene, you see, like, the rich people still eating. Yeah. It reinforces that, like, it's kind of a never-ending cycle. Yeah, try as you might, this is going to still go on. Uh, I, I did forget to mention that the, the initial date that we see her on... <laughs> Is, oh yeah. So probably what really happens. Mm-hmm. This guy is just awful in every possible way. And then an ending with him texting the you up. It's pretty pretty funny. Yeah. He's completely oblivious. Wasn't his name Chad? Yes, his name was Chad. And that's such a uh, uh, an archetype, the Chad. Mhm. So this was written by a woman and directed by another woman. Mhm. So if if you're wondering, was that thing intentionally feminist? It probably was. Yeah. I love that, like, the, the violence on screen is not violence against women. There's not a lot of exploitation with skin, you know. Mm-hmm. Even for being a cannibalism movie, it is very restrained, and I think it's all really intentional. Um, and then I think that it being super stylistic, too, because I feel like it really was in, like, a lot of little ways. Mm-hmm. made it just really cool yeah she does that Nick Rogue thing where it edits in what's going to happen yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's always an interesting choice but uh, any uh, any other thoughts on I was, that? I was delighted when the title card came in 33 minutes yes mm-hmm. I forgot the movie. yeah <laughs> I was also delighted that they used the uh, the song I Hear a New World for the credits Hmm. What's the significance there? Uh, this is a 1960 tune is put together by Joe Meek, who is this legendary producer. Have you heard of him? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. did, did loads of hits. I think his biggest hit was Telstar. Okay. 1962. Um, but Joe Meek, as well as being a producer, he was uh, he had he had uh, personal problems. Um, he uh, he had various. Um, he was schizophrenic. Um, he was also gay in 50s, 60s Britain. Oh, yeah, when it was illegal. He was illegal. Um, he was also believed that he he could record the dead. He believed in poltergeists, etc. Um, ended up killing himself and his landlady. Wow. Um, no cannibalism in there, though? No. Okay. Didn't go that far. I was wondering if that was going to be the zinger. But, yeah, if you look, look up Joe Meek and all the bands he produced... Early sixties, amazing, amazing list. Fascinating. Did, um, did you feel this this movie had a kind of American Psycho vibe? Yeah, 
kind of black comedy and the toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. 80s music. Mm-hmm. Yuppie. Yeah. But I do really like American Psycho, so... I don't know. For me, this one checks all the boxes. I think maybe it could have been more suspenseful or more visually interesting, I guess. Like, at the end, like, the, the sequence could have been more. The, the fight scene could have been more. But I feel like that would, like... I feel like the dullness is intentional in this movie, you know? Because it feels... Like, I watched it and I was like, this is incredibly real world, even though it's not at all mm-hmm. for me in my life. Um, and so I feel like maybe if it was more dramatic, more theatrical, I'd lose that. Right. No, it it, it kept my interest the whole time. I felt it was, uh, like you said, very stylized. And, uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was glad that it wasn't, uh, like... I don't know what this is. I don't get it, you know, because once in a while you'll hear about a movie being good and then you just feel like I, I'm not in on it somehow. But no, this one, I think uh, it can appeal to a lot of different audiences. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it worked for me anyway. Yeah. If you, if you just told the bare bones of the plot, like man captures women, keeps them and cannibalizes them, not interested, you know, no. saw all that stuff 20 years ago. It was boring then. Yeah. Um, but this is really good. Yeah. So, uh, Will, do you recommend it? Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> right? Jolien? Yeah. Oh, and for sure. Needless to say. I yeah. would, I, I want to put it out there, though. Alternate title, expiration dates. I think that's pretty good. You <laughs> expiration can do, 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 dates. You want. <laughs> but I think that alternate title, um, or just like a subheader, you know? Like something with that in it. I think that'd be funny. Yes, looking forward to a next for movie. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to she's, see where they go. She's doing one with Nicole Kidman next. Oh, really? Called uh, Holland, Holland, Michigan. That's Holland, so Michigan. All right. Don't know what that uh, what that would mean, but I guess we'll find out. Do you recommend it? Yes, I do recommend it. Um, I think I think horror fans will dig it. Um, you know. Uh, Unless they're looking for something else completely. If they're looking for something supernatural, it's not there. You know, it's just the, the horror of people and what they will do. Uh, anything else before we call it a show? No. No? All right. Well, let's call it a show. Listeners, thank you for listening. Stay off the moors.